If you could please pray the words, Come Holy Spirit, with me three times. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I ask that you send forth your Holy Spirit upon each person here right now to help them experience your love in a new way tonight. Especially those of us here who are prodigal sons and daughters. Help us know and believe and experience the truth that you left the 99 to come after each one of us gathered here. Please flood this room with hope in knowing that it is good that we are here. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The story takes place on December 7th, 1988 in Armenia, which is near Iran and Turkey. There was a devastating earthquake that hit that place and a frenzied businessman ran from his office to his little boy's school. His son was just a, carp- was just a, a kindergartner. He had dropped him off at school as he had done every single day, but f- and four hours earlier, he said to him the words he said every single day when he dropped off his son. He would say, you are a good boy. Your father loves you and will always care for you. And now an earthquake had, earthquake had just hit, and the initial reports were that, were that there was a destruction in the area of his son's school. When the man reached the school, it was just a complete pile of debris. You almost couldn't even recognize a school. And there were floods of parents standing around, waiting. The man was in panic, but he wasn't in shock. He made a resolution to find his son. He tried to figure out the outline of the school and where his son's class would have been. And then he started digging and digging and digging with his bare hands. Some people came to help him. He dug for two hours. He began to be soaked in his own sweat, tears, and grime, and his hands began to bleed from all the shards of glass. He took his shirt off, and he just kept digging. The people gave up on him. The man kept digging and digging. Four hours had passed, six hours had passed, digging, digging, hearing absolutely nothing. Some more people came by to help him, but they gave up just after 20 short minutes. They tried to convince him that his effort was useless. He needed to let go of his son. He must have other children that would have needed him at home, they would say. But he wouldn't stop. Ten hours went by, twelve hours went by. People began to ignore him. They would say, he is mad with grief. It will run its course. He'll give up. But he didn't. Fourteen hours went by, sixteen hours went by. The man finally moved a large piece of of plaster and heard the quiet call of a weak child. He yelled for help. I found someone, he said, and people came and removed another layer of rubble. And there was his son, huddled together with two of his classmates, with a little boy and a little girl. They pulled the children out from the rubble and they gave them oxygen and water. And as they were about to take leave for the hospital, The little boy said to his friends, I told you my father would never leave me. Our father, God, who is our father, will never leave us. He pulls us out of the rubble of our sin. He fights the forces that are hell-bent on destroying your life and my life, which are the forces of death, 
sin, hell, and the devil. He leaves the 99 just for you. 99 is a symbol of heaven. Pat, he left the 99 just for you, right? Tommy, he left just for you. Daniel, just for you. Grace, just for you. Like we have to know that love. The Father sent Jesus because he's a just God. A God who loves sacrificing himself for us even when we feel like we're not worth it. Even when we don't even deserve it. And on the cross, Jesus' love is literally meant to wreck you. It's meant to make you uncomfortable because he keeps coming after us over and over because he doesn't do it just today and he didn't do it just when he was crucified, but he does it every single day. The father sacrifices his son, Jesus, just for you. And when you, when you gaze upon the cross, when you gaze upon the one who has been pierced, you realize that you're worth the fight. And I pray that Jesus who is pierced in this homily will help us enter more deeply into this four-part series that we're partaking in. Last week, we looked at a new series called Cheat Coding College. Because college is tough. It's not an environment that wants you to be full of life. It just doesn't. It'll give you false ways of finding life. But when we turn to the one who can actually handle our sin, who can actually handle our difficulties, we have freedom. So last week, we looked at the virtue of prudence. Prudence says, I look where I'm going. And it asks the question, the virtue of prudence asks the question, is this really worth it? Is this decision really going to make me happy, not just like right now, but long term? Or as I said, prudence asks the question, will this decision lead me to heaven or lead me to hell? We also looked at the importance of friendship. There's three types of friendship. Friendship is based on utility. Like what's the use in this? And there could be good and bad ways of looking at that. We looked at friendships based on pleasure or what's fun, which is usually when people use one another. But our invitation last week was to look at friendships based on virtue. Friendships actually based on when someone loves you just for who you are. They don't even want to change you. And there's like, no, I'll scratch, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. They just, they just want you to be happy in the truest sense of the word. But they'll also tell you the truth even if it hurts because they want what's best for you. So this week we're going to look at the second cardinal virtue, which is the virtue of justice or what is known as what is right or what is fair. The Catechism in, in paragraph 1807 says this about justice. Justice is the moral virtue that consists in the constant and firm will to give their due to God and neighbor. Justice toward our neighbor disposes us to respect the dignity that is the worth or value of each person and to establish human relationships in the harmony that promotes true equity with regard to people and the common good. So usually when I read that, I just hear, Blah, 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 right? So I'm going to make it real simple for you. One way of looking at justice is to love people and use things. Often, what sin has done in our own experience of life is we've crossed that. We've screwed it up. What we do is we end up, we end up using people and loving things. Or maybe it's just me. I, I don't know. I'm a little bit crazy, but like when you go, no, it's just me. I won't point fingers, but I'm pointing fingers. Um, 
when you go out to dinner or you go out for lunch, does it just like kind of blow your mind that we're all made in God's image and likeness, right? We're like what God wants. The angels are literally jealous for us. And we find ourselves on our phones when we're with people that we love or we say we love. We end up using people and loving things. And I'm not saying cell phones are bad, but when you and I really look at it, we end up using things, even people, just for comfort. We end up loving the wrong things. But Jesus, who is the good shepherd, what he does, he finds you and I more valuable than everything he ever created. Like he literally bankrupted heaven just for you. He had everything in heaven, yet he left it just for you. So that you would know that, first of all, you are loved. You are good. God is good. You are beautiful. You are worth dying for. And God, through, through this, his love for us, his mercy on, on the cross, he wants to break you from all the chains, all the bonds that weigh you down and pull you out of the fold, that tell you things like you don't belong, but you do. Again, Jesus was sent by the Father to prove that he's a just and good God. A God who loves, by, loves us by sacrificing himself for us, and that's what he came to do. Again, even when you and I don't deserve it, he still comes. Like, that just blows my mind. And on the cross, again, that love on the cross is literally meant to wreck you, not destroy you, but like you've been wrecked by something, by, by like just seeing a loving scene in a movie or seeing a heroic act on the battlefield, it's meant to wreck you. Because here's the thing, Jesus is crazy. God loves you like crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It's a mystery. And a mystery doesn't mean something that you can't understand. A mystery is something you look at and you keep turning it and you're like, there's still more to learn and unfold here. And he's crazy about winning you back to himself. Because everyone here is a prodigal son and a prodigal daughter. And what he desires to do is forgive you. To set you free. So you actually have control in the truest sense. And you may know your identity as a beloved son or daughter. And the, the virtue of justice will always be true to Jesus. Because he is the truth himself. And he will help you become the saint that you're created to be. Even when the world screams at you to sin, even when the devil screams at you to sin, the thing is, God will always love you, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are, and he will never use you, ever. So often I, I, I don't even realize that he continues to leave the 99, even just for me as a priest. I don't deny myself. I don't pick up my cross. I don't allow his love to wreck me. I see the cross and I think, hmm, that's a nice piece of art. I don't even stop to say thank you for, for saving me from my sins. And when we let that truth sink from our head to our hearts, we begin to start to understand the, just the love the father from Armenia had for his son in the school. He never gave up and nor does our Lord. And that love from the father from Armenia is just like a grain of sand compared to the Father's love for you. Jesus never quits, 
That's literally why we have a Newman Center. To remind you, even when you don't deserve it, to remind you that God's love is crazy. It's reckless. And it's literally meant to wreck us. For just as our our Heavenly Father God gave his Son up for us, that means we're called to do the same back for him. But until we experience that fight he has for us, things aren't going to change. And it's going to demand us a lot if it, de- if it demanded the Father everything to send his Son. That means, at times, because you're Catholic, you're going to be a social outcast, just as Jesus was. At times, you're going to have to say no when the devil says, yes, do this. You might be a person who has to stop doing certain things, certain drugs. Maybe you might be the one who's going to say, I'm I'm not going to keep getting drunk. I'm not going to keep falling down that path. And you might be the only one who says, I'm going to go worship God instead of go party. The question, is that sacrifice worth it? It's all worth it. Every sacrifice you make proves that it's worth it. The pain today in this world is all minor in comparison to the greater joy of serving God. And when you make this sacrifice, when you commit your life to Christ, you'll begin to also do the same for others. And there's more, there's more joy in seeing others being set free than even yourself being set free. To see them not struggle anymore, to see them overcome their sin, And the thing is, guys, there's nothing like being in love with Jesus. And if someone is in love with God, the one thing is they're never bored. So often I hear people say, I'm just bored. Let's do something. Again, people who are in love are never bored. I can remember my life before I encountered Jesus when I was in college. And I literally tried to escape boredom. I had a lot of friendships based on utility. I used a lot of people and I... I found a lot of pleasure in what I did, but I hurt a lot of people in the process. I would use things like sports. I'd go think, oh, if I buy that one thing, that'll make me happy. Or I'd turn to alcohol or turn to drugs. But the thing is, Jesus never left me even in my sin, as he never leaves you in your sin. He came after me time and time again because he wanted his love to wreck me, just like he wants his love to wreck you. And it's the same for all of us. Today, he, he says, I, I will never leave you. Because he, le- he loves us too much to leave us bored. So my challenge for you is to listen to the song again that we're going to hear during communion. It's called Reckless Love. I want you to listen to that song, and I want you to give him permission to like, let him love you. Like Love is a choice. You have to remember, love is a choice. And the song reveals the core of the virtue of justice which is that love will always fight to win you back. And the second part of the challenge is is to go to confession. Just to let go of all your fears, to let go of all your sins and all of your guilt and shame and let him love you with great confidence that you may repeat the words from the boy from from Armenia. So when you walk out of the confessional, you know that your sins are forgiven. Your chains are broken. The weight's been lifted. And you can look out at everyone who doubts you and say, I told you my father will never leave me. And so we pause 
and just gaze upon the cross. Do you know that when he died, his head was bowed because he wanted to kiss you. His arms were open to embrace you. And his feet are nailed because he's been waiting for you. So we gaze upon the pierced one who left the 99 just for you and me. Just for you. Insert name here. His love is personal. It's unique. And there's nothing like it. And if we begin, if you begin to be like Jesus, if you begin to love people and use things, there will be joy in your life. And that's what you and I are created for. But sin twists it. And what Jesus does on the cross, he undoes what has been twisted and makes things right. What in your life needs to change? Or more, maybe I should just ask you a question. What in your life do you need to let Jesus change for you? Maybe you've been struggling with a certain sin for a long time, and it's just an invitation to let him be Lord. Let him save you. He's the one who's waiting for you in confession. He's always waiting for you. And he's just waiting for you to be like that child who waited with confidence to know that his father would always come. Amen.